Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Will there never man be overtaken in a fault? Ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, yet that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them which are the household of faith. I want to talk about depression this morning, being depressed, or as the title of giving it to the bulletin is Growing Weary. And we're going to concentrate on verse 8 and 9, but particularly 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I was walking down the street in Melbourne the other day when I met a young lady whom I have known now for a while, works in one of the restaurants as a waitress. And uh, I spoke to her and said, Hi, Rose, how are you? She began to cry. She began to tell me about her little mother that she must take care of. And I knew all this, but I, she told me before. And about her husband, who is in jail in Tennessee, and he's about to get out. And he said, I'm, she said, I'm just trying to hold things together. She was depressed, extremely depressed. So she went on her way, I offered, of course, to talk to her any time she would like to talk, she thanked me. Sometimes it seems as though we live in a very depressing world. We see the bumper stickers or the tags that people like to display on their automobiles. It talks about life being the pits, about things being rotten and miserable. You very seldom ever seen one of those stickers that talks about something good. Upbeat, it's always down and bad. And I suppose it's because there are great numbers of people who are really down and depressed because of what they perceive as their lot in life. To them, life does become the pits. Sometimes people begin to even wonder if it's worth living. 
going to close the service out on a different note this morning than we normally do. And at the close of the service, Tim's going to come to piano and he's going to sing because he lives. And at the close of that number, we're going to share with him in singing the cross. You won't have it there in your book, but you'll know the words. Suicide is becoming a monumental problem. It's on the definite increase, particularly amongst teenagers. Because people are seeing life as not worth the living. They get down, very depressed, demoralized. And begin to wonder whether it's worth it all or not. Out of this comes loss of interest and in all those things that they once thought were worthwhile. A loss of interest in anything dealing with the church. This is one of the first signs of depression when people start dropping out of church and then they finally almost drop totally out of life itself. Draw up within themselves and sit around or live their life just reflecting upon all the misery that they experience and it makes them even more depressing. The teachings tell us that in any given time, 5% of the population is in extreme deep depression. And if this would hold true for this congregation of some 75 or 80 people that are here this morning, 5% of this congregation would be very, very depressed today. Very depressed. And then there will be others who would be moderately depressed. You know, there are groups that are at high risk of depression. First of all, women are depressed twice as often as men. You women are a mess. You get down of the dumps twice as often as us guys. I suppose there are all kinds of reasons for it, but you're a high-risk group. And most of us men begin to wonder why we ever married you anyway. You can't figure it out. That's after the fact, you know. But it's true. Women are depressed twice as much as men. When it comes to the age bracket, if you're between 18 and 44, you're more likely to be depressed than the people who are younger or people who are older. So I don't know, a third of this congregation fits into that group that is very likely to be depressed. And you know that if you're separated or divorced, your depression rate is extremely
inabilities to maintain ourselves physically, and then we slip into depression. A lot of it deals with emotional things, those problems that we have that strain our emotions. The young lady that I spoke of had strained her emotions to the breaking point, and now all she could do was cry when someone asked how you are. Your emotions will betray your real attitudes as to whether you're depressed or not. But I think there's another one that's spiritual. That is the failure to keep ourselves spiritually in tune will lead to depression. A Christian who finds himself so involved that he turns away from all of those things that make for a good relationship to the Lord to find himself depressed. He will say, or she will say, I really tried. I have worked hard at being a Christian. And now I am just ready to throw up my hands and say it's not worth it. In modern day terms, we say they're burned out. Almost every person in this congregation, and myself included, have come to the point of burnout. But in our job, or in our home, or in our church, we have reached that point when we can't see that there's any future to what we're doing. And so our tendency is to throw up our hands and give up. That's the worst. Paul spoke of this very thing when it comes to being a Christian when he said in that ninth verse, let us not grow weary in well-doing. I've been good to my family, this girl would say. I've taken care of my mother. I've done all that I can for my husband. And I happen to know that she sends her paycheck to him in prison. And what is there to gain? Nobody at all. Everybody's dumping on me, we say. Nobody has a good word. Everybody ridicules, puts me down. It would appear that really doesn't happen. It's in our mind that it happens most often. When we think that somebody's stepping on us, it's probably because we have begun to put ourselves in a position to look inward and think just about poor little me, and everybody doesn't like me, and like the little boy said, I think I'm going to eat birds. And that's what we emotionally and spiritually bring ourselves to, uh, putting ourselves down so low that we don't feel good, we're tired of being good, we're tired of doing good, and it's time that I do what I want to do. And forget about all of this stuff of taking care of family and being nice and good to them. Forget about all this thing about what my responsibilities are in church. And besides, nobody's going to miss me. I've been there ten weeks, and so-and-so's never even spoken to me yet. And down we go. Nobody appreciates me. Nothing's being accomplished. Why struggle? Tell you why struggle. Let me down... Because we can't do otherwise, because planted in the depths of our heart and soul is the very spirit of 
God on the day of our conversion, we must go down and we must go out. We must be bold, but we'll never give up. person who was very near and dear to me, well, shall, that shall remain nameless for this morning. When I say, how are you, often responds, I'll maintain. A good one. Because it says that we are never going to totally abandon the ship and no longer do that which we know that we ought to do because of that little seed that got planted. And it might not grow too well some days. It might need some water that we're not putting in, a little food that we're not providing it. But the germ of that plant is still there, ready to spring forth in the light. You know, one of the tools in the devil's workshop is discouragement. If he can discourage us, he has won a tremendous victory. And so he will whisper in our ears, why don't you give up? It's not worth it. It just isn't worth it. You know they don't appreciate what you're doing. Why don't you quit? We see those casualties who fall to the wayside and listen to the devil, and, and they do quit. They do give up. What causes all this? I want to suggest three real quick things. Number one, sometimes we put ourselves in a position of causing our own depression or discouragement. I've mentioned the thing of the physical. We work and are active and drop into bed and get up exhausted the next morning and somebody speaks to us and we snap their head off. Why is it? Because we are physically exhausted. But I spoke of spiritual exhaustion as well. Or the unwillingness to apply those things that need to be applied to give us strength. You can think in terms of your sinking when you quit reading your Bible. You're sinking when you spend little time in prayer. You're sinking when the church has been abandoned. And you're not there in the likely logical place. You're sinking in those terms. And then when a problem arises, there is not enough reserve to draw upon to satisfy one's confrontation with difficulties. And so we become depressed and say, why doesn't God do something? The answer usually is because we haven't placed ourselves in a position where God can do something for us. We've taken ourselves out of his realm and have said, no, I don't want any of the influence of the church. I don't want to read my Bible, and I'm not going to pray. Well, what do you expect God to do about it? You know, I won't do anything myself. 
sometimes it's outside ourselves that cause these physical pressure when things in the world do it. Our friends and our neighbors and our family who are not Christian and who don't see the things the way we do and put pressure upon us to do it their way. They say, why don't you compromise your values? All of the stuff you learn in church is nothing. It doesn't mean anything. The pressure to compromise is always present. Learn your values, they say, to a higher level. Nevertheless, do they seem to think maybe I'll raise my values to your level? And our responsibility is to influence people to raise that level of expectation of themselves, raise their value system to a level higher than what they have. Get it out of the world and out of the gutter and raise it to a higher level. But listen, we're going to have to live on that level when we bring somebody else up with us. Compromise. Or they say, everybody's doing it, why don't you do it? Or this is just old fashioned, it doesn't mean anything anymore. That's for kids and old people, but everybody in that in between part don't need any of this stuff. So we feel the pressures, and we try to be Christian, and everybody pulls against us and says, don't, 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 don't. Finally, we say, what's the use of my book about? And even inside the church, we have this problem. We have the ever effort of trying to struggle to a higher level living, and, and here's this church that says it one way, another church says it another. The Church of Christ and the Baptist Church don't agree. The Baptist Church doesn't agree with the Catholics. The Catholics don't agree with the Presbyterians. The Presbyterians don't agree with the Green World Baptist and, you know, who's right? It doesn't make much difference in the long run which one of these bodies of people has the right track as long as your life and my life is in track with God to Jesus Christ. That's what's important. I couldn't believe what I heard a preacher say on the radio as I drove up from the lot this morning about 7.30. He was saying that you have to be a member of the church to be saved, and he was quoting the scripture to prove that. And I thought, my, oh my, how foolish you are. You've taken an isolated passage and switched it totally out of context. So all of this plays upon us. And I've had people say to me, well, how do you know you're right? Here goes this and says that, and that one says something else. It seems like that we're living as going against the tide. We're going upstream of everything that we do. And someday it just becomes easier to throw up a hand and say, I'm going to float downstream wherever it goes before I'm going. Paul said, don't be discouraged. Why? Because in due time we shall reap if we do not think. In due time. He never promised us an easy life in this world, but he did promise us victory. We don't have to be discouraged, depressed, when we look to Christ. I don't know how many of you are depressed this morning. 
I, I asked one time, by you writing on a piece of paper something to the practice, uh, how many of you uh, are happy? I said, are, are you happy? And I wish to be answered yes or no. But I told you how many no's there were, and when I collected all the papers, in this congregation, most people were happy, but there were several, I don't remember now how many, she said, no, I'm not happy. If I took the same survey this morning and asked you, are you depressed, there would be a number of you who say, yes, I'm depressed. I want to tell you there is a way up out of depression, and it's in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about tomorrow because he's on the scene. I want you to listen as Tim is going to sing, because he lives. Listen to the words. Now the invitation is extended from right now. If you want to make a decision of any kind, as Tim sings, I want you to come forward and do it. If you want to become a member of this church by transferring your membership from somewhere else, there are a few of you who are considering that. I encourage you to do it this morning. If you want to accept Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to get up out of your seat. Nobody's going to move for a little bit. You have got to receive even the same things and come on. But on the last verse, he's going to sing three. On the last verse, we're all going to stand and we're going to sing twice. You don't need the words. You don't hear the words. You understand what we're going to do? Kind of make your decision. But I hope that out of this thing this morning, as you hear him sing and the words he's going to, to give us, and in the voice that we're going to sing, we are going to be uplifted and come out of our state of depression and be more determined than ever to get back into the flow of things in serving our Lord for His purpose. That's what I hope we can do this morning. All right, listen to Tim Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.